0: it has been a tremendous journey unfortunately it has come to an end but the AAB club championship is uh, always a difficult encounter and especially when your first match is away from home
1: absolutely and it's a new experience like for the boys and um, our key objective this year was to win the championship and uh, we did that and uh, all the players enjoyed playing in it and enjoyed the um, celebrations after winning it you know and rightly so The week turnaround is 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 short, you know, and it takes some time to kind of recuperate and recover after such extensive celebrations, (laughs) like you know. But either way, we've a lot of very young, young, young boys, and today there you could see like that um, the uh, the physical. the physical ability and capabilities of uh, our opposition like you know Across the field, like a fine team, We're a fine team, yeah. They
0: set up very well, Pat, didn't they? Because I know you mentioned the turnaround was short. I said it to Fergal, their manager. They had the added advantage of going to Carlow last week to see yeah, what right. Pat Ryan has done with Radville. You hadn't that added advantage, and there, I said it to Willie and Bernard on commentary. Mm. That's the advantages of this competition. Things can swing in your way, and things can go against you. And you got a, a bad run of luck coming in as well. You lost Tony and Robbie coming in tonight as well over short. You yeah. know, not simple.
1: <clears throat> no, I think. Um... You know, I suppose the four players. You know, the, those moving parts. That's uh, you know, you get away with one, you get away with two. You know, yeah, <laughs> You're four I and mean, possibly five there. You know, but um, at the end of the day, you, you have to get on with it, like you know. And um, yeah, I think um, when you look at um, the week turnaround for us, and then you're going into play a team that 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 had the advantage of of an extra week, like et cetera, et cetera they're all factors like you know we're not going to complain about anything like that like uh, we didn't um, play to the best of our abilities today we were beaten by um, a better team on the day and huge congrats to um, St Martins because you know they're a a formidable side and I've no doubt like they'll have a big say in this championship
0: yeah they certainly will Pat it has been a great journey in relation to today you stayed with them in the first half the goals probably turned it a bit but the final third just struggled because they set up very well and, and they learned from what they've seen against their rogue last week is that we're not going to let these fellas get ball inside here because Radfilly will do damage but they deprived you in the final third
1: absolutely and uh, I suppose um, there's, there's, there's two key things there like yeah one is um, <clears throat> you know decision making with the ball you know, not The player who has the ball uh, will determine the outcome, you know. And there were times there when we should have put ball into the... And we had opportunities to put ball in there. And we had channels opened up. But for some reason, unknown to Pat, this it, didn't point, happen. it didn't happen. You you know, know. The
0: cold day for football, windy day, conditions weren't ideal either, but it suited them because they are a fine, big, strong physical team. And the positive, before I let you go, as you said, there's a lot of youth after arriving in Radville over the last two years. You've brought them through, so going forward for the club, this has to be a massive positive.
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the key thing about young players is how you grow and how you develop them. And that's the next... Um, major um, key factor in this team going on next year, you know.
0: Hatch, you have had great innings in Leinster and great innings with teams and i just seen you there with the Radville lads and I know the fellas like me never get involved in relation to manager that. You've been on a great journey. There'd be no reason why anyone in Radville wants Pat Ryan to leave Radville a go. but is it a thing that you're looking forward to coming back next year or are you going to take a break or what's the plan or have you thought of things like that as well because you've been very well accepted and you've done a great job with this team.
1: Well, before I, 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 I come to answer that question somewhat, you know, I, I would like to... Um, say you know a huge thank you you know to um chairman pat deering like has been outstanding you know Col gibbons uh, jimmy dunn of course long time friend yeah, you know jimmy the last day yeah. jimmy's a selector with the team there now and his work in the background is, is just is just relentless you know martin wall i don't think you could work alongside anybody better you know and uh, a very knowledgeable guy with football, and very steady, very calm, you know. And um, Paul Hickey, I suppose, is a, is an amazing guy as well, you know, the stats. But the the other work that he does, like you know, keeping us on point, is is uh, is amazing altogether, you know. And I suppose um, it's fair for me to say, like too, like Victor, Victor Dial was with us uh, last year, like you know, and. Victor is a very passionate man about football. He <laughs> can write a
0: book about that, uh, he surely is.
1: Absolutely, you know, and he's a great Rat Philly man, you know, and he was great with us, you know. And uh, I would just like to say huge thanks to, to Victor as well, like, you know, because part of um, our victory this year, like, you know, is down to all of those people there and the committee and, you know, I suppose Fiona and Ashley making the tea and the sandwiches for us, you know, all that kind My of pardon. thing. Absolutely, like, and everybody's in around the table, like, and everybody's in around to try and get the thing moving forward and the thing done, you know. But the work that's been done down in Matvili since I went there on the facility has been, you know, top class, like, and getting the gymnasium ready just before the championship, like, was was major for me, you know, right. Not just for the championship, but it's major going forward, yeah, because because now. One of the parts of that jigsaw for success has been put in place, like, and I've no doubt, like, it will be well used and availed of, you know.
0: Yeah, certainly so. Well, listen, as I said, a great journey. You came through Carlo unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it wasn't today. From our point of view, in case I just want to say thank you very much. You've been absolutely splendid and upfront every time and been honest and great man for interviews. And you've been very popular with our listeners. And I just want to thank you very much for all that you've done in relation to uh, talking with us here in the media. And you've always been very friendly. And you call it as it is. So credit to yourself and your backroom team and everyone you mentioned. And thanks very much, Pat.
1: I have one last thing to say to you, is, uh, is an apology. Uh, before the um, the final I was to talk on um, KCR And you wouldn't believe this You know uh, <laughs> I called I was getting medicals done For boxers on a Friday You know And the doctor says to me uh, Have you got the, the vaccination, Pat? I have I says I have them all You know He yeah. said, did you get the booster? I said um, Not yet No, no, no But i get it sometimes Sit down there now He says yeah. And I saw them. It. <laughs> And he gave it to me You know <laughs> And uh, I think around 2 o'clock on the Saturday, I had to go to bed.
0: Right, OK.
1: And I wasn't seeing... You,
0: ha- a- <laughs> you don't have to apologise, Pat. That's, that's understandable. At least you have it. Well, listen, uh, enjoy the rest of the winter. I know you're very much involved in boxing. and yeah, you know well. Scalacci and Ollie and all the lads up in Scalacci, <laughs> up in Dublin and Ollie O'Neill in Kilkenny. Listen, keep up the great work. I look forward to working with you again. And uh, well done and a great year at Radfilly and commiserations on today.
1: Thanks very much. Really Thanks, appreciate
0: Pat. it. Good man. Thank you. Eric Malay we spoke last week it was a great day but it has been a great journey but unfortunately it has come to an end and a good St Martins team and I don't think Radville or anybody can take anything from them.
2: No they're a very good tie now Brendan yeah um, we, we had a tough old day in, in, out there today um, yeah they were well organised um, they, they pressed in a certain way they Trapped us on one side of the field. Uh, they also had a sweeper back when we broke through their press, and it was it a was very, very tough day. Probably didn't claim as much of our kickouts as we did against their rogue in the county final, um, and then they were quite good on theirs, you know. Um, and a little luck here and there fell their way as well, so that's what led to the score being, I feel
0: had their homework done as well Because they, they had the added advantage As I've said to the lads on commentary I've seen Radville playing last week And did a two week break You had a very short turnaround It's never helpful So up front It was difficult to get the scores
2: Yeah exactly Like You, you look at either side sure. We literally won a county final ourselves And then literally Six, seven days later We're playing again They had at least three week two three weeks prep there beforehand you know to get themselves right to uh, be organized to know exactly what they're doing we only had i think two sessions ourselves between uh, our county final and that like you know they, they would have had a lot of preparation done as well and they would have their homework done we had a very quick turnaround and um, probably would have liked more training sessions on the field to, to work on what we wanted to work on but Look, this wasn't to be today, unfortunately, you know.
0: Well, the added plus is it's the first match to lose in championship football for Radville this year. So, clean sweep in Carlow. Not a bad day as work well considering you were second favourites to do so. You did it in style last week and it's onwards and upwards because a lot of young players introduced over the campaign, including last year and this year. So, there's a good future there for Radville going forward, Eric.
2: Oh, 100%, yeah. Pat Ryan was just saying that to us after the game and you had a few words for us. Um, there's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of good young players. They're young age. And experience some days like this in last week, it's only going to stand to them, you know, and it's only going to bode well for Rafalee going into the future. Um, Look, it was a hard day in the office. We'd love to have done further and done Carlo and uh, Proud and and win that match today, but um, all you can do now is hopefully them young lads and the rest of us take lessons from that game now and hopefully, you know, build on that for next year and beyond, you know
0: a cool crisp day how difficult were conditions cuz that's a cool stiff breeze out there today it did cause a few
2: problems did it oh there was a big big wind going from one side of the field down to one goal down to the other goal so we probably didn't make as, as much advantage of that wind when we had it in the first half and i suppose then when the second half when you're kind of trying to get back into it it's very difficult playing against a strong breeze as well like so other than that a fresh old day and it was a grand day for a match but um, yeah you just have the hands off for them they were very good
0: On a personal level away from Bradville he spoke to you last week off air about soccer and League of Ireland man and you've played all over the world Kylie Murphy's playing tonight in the cup final for the ladies representing Carlow on the Leash side of things because she's living over there on the far side of the bridge as well but uh, young Adam D going well in the darts. so any uh, update on the contracts for the soccer as of yet I know you're probably going back up to Shelburne but contract is a big thing in professional and semi-professional soccer so you're hoping to sign very soon and if Damien Duff was looking at that goal you scored in Carroll last week I think he'd be on the phone already he obviously didn't see the video yet, did he?
2: <laughs> no, I don't know if he got to see the video or seeing that sort of stuff but yeah, in, in, in soccer you, you want to try and secure the contract early and, and get your contract sorted and know what you're doing focus and work hard in pre-season and you get yourself strong and fit for, for the season coming and, and know what the plans and preparations and know what we were playing you want to get that all done early so yeah that would that would be nice on a personal note if I could get contracts started early personally but yeah the Wexford dudes now are in the final they're against Shelburne ladies yeah. in the final too um, I know a few of them Wexford dudes uh, girls from down there that's been around a few of them there for years they're legends down there and uh, they're doing fantastic for Wexford and the, the south east um, Shelburne being the club I'm um, contracted with or whatever before you know I, I, it's going to be a good game a good match to watch and are you shouting for the Carla girls play for Wexford tonight or are you shouting for Shelburne <laughs> it'll be a good game and it will be enjoyed to watch it that's all I'll say Brendan.
0: well listen well done in a great year with Radfilly and I wish you well on the soccer and hopefully uh, things come true for you in the next few weeks because I know you're one of the most gifted footballers we have in on and you can try your hand-handing Eric and we wish you and your family well and well done to Redville this year and continue success in your professional career also appreciate it very much Brendan thanks very much thanks Eric thank you
3: sure. yeah. I'm not into that right. so I didn't go
0: there Fergal well done I know you're, it's back to back county finals but uh, your first bow in Leinster and you did it in style today
3: right man right Stevie sorry um, um, yes listen probably got a couple of goals before half time probably you know torn the game as a contest after that was fairly tight fairly close um, there was nothing in it you know, two-two, four-two, four-three, and then maybe we won a few refilis kickouts, and we probably punished them on the back of that. And that probably put a bit of daylight, to give us, you know, that bit of breathing space, as you'd expect from county champions. They came out and they went after us the second half, and we were on the back foot for a period of time um, at the beginning of that half, and then we got to grips with it, and we probably hit them on the counter with a few points. We kept the board taken over, and then probably the game petered out maybe in the last ten minutes really.
0: Yeah, you've a fine unit Of a, of a setup here. You, know. you get a lot of men Behind the ball And when you go forwards, You've got the quality players To get the scores And you know to return I'm sure You're very happy with today And I know Radville Probably are capable Of a hell of a lot more scores But you deprive them Of that today Defensively you set up Very well
3: Yeah I we'll would probably Not really say that, Listen you know At the end of the day There are only six days Or seven days to prepare. Six days to repair For this match On the back of the county final That travel up here you know, it's all the aces were stacked on our side. There were down a few men. I'm aware of um, ahead of the day. So you know, it's it's you can't overlook that side of it either. So you know, I wouldn't be getting carried away with what we done. We we have a way of playing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. It um, probably worked okay today, um, so yeah, you know you have to have some sort of pattern to your game, and we have a set way of playing. But the next day it mightn't work out as well.
0: Was a motivating factor today, Fergal, the fact that you didn't get a chance to play in Leinster because of COVID last year, there was no competition, and the lads said, "Well, here it's our second county title, and we're first bow in Leinster." Was that a, a bit of a motivation for you today? Because as I said, you did it in style, and the return end
3: uh, the scoreboard looked good. Mm. Well. I'm not telling you lie, It wasn't spoken about Right We never mentioned Not getting playing last year At any stage We've concentrated On how, how we go about our job we concentrated On our own performance How we set up pattern of play Setting up with Ratvilly And we never looked Last year It's gone It's over We just move on New season Cha- Cha- loud Le- Championship One so debut in Leinster and you just prepare as well as you can for it. so no we didn't speak of last season at all.
0: Good setup here today in um, Haggardstown and you have the added advantage now of the loud Le- team being at home, so Nev Martin are at home in the next round, which is a great advantage.
3: Yes, it is good to be at home. Um I've been involved with other clubs and we all were playing away in the Leinster Le- Le- Championship and my team and other team playing in this competition. So it's the first my first uh, match at home in the cha- in this champ- in competition. So yes, we're at home to the champions in two weeks, I'm glad to believe. So listen, we'll see where we are injury wise and we'll dutch ourselves down, recover, take a look at that and prepare next week for it and begin from there.
0: Nice family community out here tremendous support today, they're very proud people in Monster Bice and they were all very happy.
3: Oh absolutely there's a good tournament and there was a good tournament from Rivin, there's a good crowd there, it was a good atmosphere at the pitch, cold day and yes, it was um it was, a, it was it was it was. Dave uh, Martin take a lot of people, and there's a good community up there, and very sports orientated, and they take a lot of people to it. And you know, probably from that perspective, it was great to see the the. the Spectators get an opportunity to see Leinster been in, been playing and get going to see the club involved in it.
0: Before I let you go, the prize if you can beat the Wexford champions, which won't be any easy task, is uh, a place in Croke Park, two semi-finals in Croke. Or so to take St Martin's to Croke Park for a Leinster semi-final would be a lovely carrot to dangle in front of the lads. That's where they know it is. So a win in home side the next end, uh, Croke Park, here you come. Could be a short winter yet, Virgil.
3: Mm, we'll deal with the next one first, and then we'll talk about that one. So we're we'll not step beyond that. We just we have a match to win against the Wexford champions, and we have to deal with that. And that's where we look, and we we'll not look beyond that. So, Co Park or no Co Park, if you're not in, there's no point talking about
0: it. Well, listen, well done today and continued success. We wish you well against the Wexford Champions and thanks for talking to us today.
3: No bother, thanks very much.
0: Well done. Thank you, cheers. Come on, yeah, you were excellent.
4: Uh, Joy Holden, nominated as captain for the 2015 uh, All Ireland. Holden leaves. Kilkenny set up with three Leinster titles, two All-Ireland titles, two National Hurling titles, named full back at the 2015 All-Stars selection. It's just an amazing uh, career for Joey. He's stepping away from the black and amber, but he's joining us here on the line. Joey, thanks for very much for taking the call.
5: You're welcome. Thanks
4: for having me on. Uh, just big news uh, coming out. Uh, why did you feel now was the right time to retire from Intercounty Hurling?
5: Um, yeah I just felt I suppose, that my, I, I gave it my all and I suppose my time is done and I just felt after the club run there, after the county final I was keen to maybe just get the message out because I know preparations will be starting for next year so um, I'm just happy with what I what I had done in there and, and I felt just my time is to go oh, and now I have to go on to the next chapter.
4: Uh, when we were talking to players before, they always kind of attribute, say, the success that they experienced with Clover, of which Shamrocks you've experienced so much, um, but they say that that, that was something special. Um, is it hard to, like, I know representing your county is amazing, but is it hard to kind of replicate that high that you would get from winning a county championship with uh, Shamrocks? Um, yeah, I suppose, I
5: suppose every championship that you win is very, very special. Um, and to me, the club, the club is is top. It's it's special when you win because you're winning with people that you work with, and to, I suppose to a certain extent, the, the county team is picked, and you know, there's a certain element of being picked into it. So, but I suppose winning any championship, there's there's great euphoria with it, and winning with the county and winning with the club, um, they're different feelings, but they're they're both very very special, and and something that doesn't happen to everyone. So you have to take stock of it sometimes that what you're doing is special, you know.
4: And, and because it doesn't happen to everyone, how tough of a decision was it then to step away? Because once it's over, it's over. You must have ha- thought very long, very hard, before officially calling time on the on the intercounty setup.
5: Yeah, definitely. Once you're, once you're gone, you're gone, I suppose, the age-old saying, but... Um, yeah, but I think you just kind of get a feeling that you just kind of know, you know, that... You know that you won't be able to put in the same commitment or the same drive to get to get through the pre-season and and to be fully committed to it because it is is a fine commitment that you have to put into it and if you're not ready to fully commit, well then, or you're operating at even a 99%, well then you're at nothing really when you're in there because the standard is so high and if you're not operating and you can't find that drive to drive yourself on, um, you're just not going to get the results that you want and I just felt I've enough done in in that regard, and I don't think I would be able to just drive on for this year, and then you could be a problem in there rather than being outside and supporting the lads from the outside you know.
4: Well, like to, talking about kind of getting it getting it done and being out on the pitch, like uh, you you've achieved what every young Kilkenny boy kind of dreams of. You know, getting claim to climb the steps, uh, Hogan Stand back in two thousand fifteen, lifting that Liam McCarthy cup like it must have surely been the the pinnacle do you look back on that now and you can kind of sit there and maybe have a jar or two and just uh, reminisce about that uh, amazing moment
5: yeah absolutely it is Um, is something I I suppose you dream about but I I never really dreamed about because I never really deemed it possible for me um, given the way my career went and that sort of thing so um, you kind of look back with amazement sometimes but then you know it's something that I've done and nobody can ever take that away and uh, it's a very special memory and I feel that I don't think you could ever replicate. Uh, it's just an honour to represent the people in like Kenny and lift that cup. So, um, just definitely a of memory, and definitely one rem- I'll reminisce on over and over again. I think.
4: And uh, like going, even because it, it was a quite quick ascendancy to be going and uh, lifting it, uh, the Lee McCarthy Cup from your debut against uh, it was a Clare in two thousand and fourteen, and and then you became yeah. a mainstay for so long. But even going back. Could you imagine? I know playing in that Kilkenny team, you're always having aspirations of winning the all Ireland. but could you imagine on your debut against Clare in 2014 that just over a year later you'll be lifting that Lee McCarthy as captain?
5: No, absolutely not. That's, that's one thing for sure. I didn't, and even before the Clare debut being brought in on the panel, I couldn't have seen, seen myself holding my place on the panel, to be honest. Or it was about 40 of us, or maybe 30 of us brought in for trials, and I was just fully convinced that you know, I'll give him my best, but I'm going to get the bad news at some stage, and then just hang on, hang on, hang on, and then you are playing games, and you are still there, so that's, that's kind of the way it went for me. I never got too far ahead of myself, so to even go that far ahead, um, no, I, I certainly didn't think about it, but um, just the way the year went, and we won the county championship, and then got nominated, and still, you don't think about it, you know, there, was, there were so many leaders around the, the panel at that time, you don't even think about it, you're still fighting for your place, fighting for your jersey, and, and that's all that was in my mind, and then just the, the pinnacle at the end
4: was just lifting that cup. Is it somewhat uncomfortable then, considering how you know cutthroat it can be that you can get the word and saying, "Oh, you're not playing this game" or anything? Is there is there a bit of an uneasiness when you're you're playing in that Kilkenny team? Not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. You're always going to be on your toes. You're always going to be on. I have a bit of an edge in training and stuff. But is there a air of uncomfortability about it?
5: Um. I don't know what you call them. with comfortability. There's an air pressure, but like you're playing against the best players in, the, in in the country, so if if you go in there and expect that there's no kind of pressure going to come with it, well then you're a bit disillusioned because it, it has to add the pressure because you're at pin-air your collar every day you go out because you're against the best players from other counties and they are the best players in the country. So there is a bit of pressure, but you have to embrace that pressure and realise that It's still a game of horror, and you you know what to do here. It's just, can you do it at the highest level? Can you do it under the highest pressure? But to embrace that pressure rather than leave it building as um, an uneasiness, that's when you start to, I suppose, overthink things and that sort of thing. So it's to accept that pressure and accept it's going to be there, but to use that to your advantage rather than to leave it build up as uneasiness.
4: And that's probably good advice for anybody that's coming into the fold now currently as well. Um, considering the last few years haven't been hugely successful in terms of all Ireland, but been successful in Leinster over the last few years. Was there a bit of frustration within the camp or anything at the time? Uh, do you sense it? Were you sensing a kind of building in there that there's this eagerness and want to be able to get back to the the top of hurling in Ireland?
5: Yes, yeah, certainly. I suppose Kilkenny is, is deep in hurling history, and and at the top of the ranks is, is winning All-Ireland so there's definitely a want to get back there but you have to be reali- realistic in it there's want in every county panel to want to win All-Ireland you know you look at Limerick, Tip, Waterford they want to win All-Ireland Galway's, Wexford they want to win All-Ireland just because we want it doesn't mean it's going to be given to us you have to want it but then you have to perform to get it you know so that's the bottom line and listen we haven't got there in a number of years now but hopefully that will change um, there, there's teams there 7-8 teams it's a, it's a really tough championship but yes to there's answer there's, your question so I suppose an incredible want within the panel but just because you want it doesn't mean you're going to get it you have to work very very hard to get there
4: I'd say Man wants it more than Brian Cody my former teacher in uh, Della Salle in St. Pat's I, I, I just attest to doing PE he always wanted you to do well and he always had the, the best interests of the players at heart what was it like kind of informing him of your decision?
5: Um, listen, it was just kind of something really I wanted to get out of the way just to say thanks for the opportunity and that but um, it was just something maybe once you're in the county final I knew what had to happen that week and it was just uh, making a call and uh, Brian was very good with it all and just said just said thanks and I said thanks to him and it was quick and short but um, I didn't want to maybe maybe make a big deal of anything or nothing at all because he's a panel of 40 other lads to look after now and, and that's his job for the coming year and that's his focus for the coming year so that was it.
4: Yeah, it was that when we were talking to Paul Murphy as well. He was kind of just a, saying the same thing, you know. It was just a a, a one and done conversation. It just happened, and, and and that was the end. But like you're, and your are county career, but you're coming off the back of a 4 consecutive county championship with Ballyhale. Like that's that's a special group of players to be able to play with. Um, going from your county back to your club, and like it, what, what what's happening out there? Why why is it uh, this success just been? Uh, why is Ballyhale and Shamrock's just a breeding ground for success?
5: I don't know, it's, it's, it's a tough one to put your finger on but I suppose it's all we know you know out there hurling hurling is probably the centre of, of our universe out there you know the pitches the hope, and that sort of thing so um, and then it's just that tradition of coming from families down and people wanting to hurl and, but I suppose I think most of all we enjoy it you know we enjoy each other's company and we enjoy going out and challenging ourselves and, and putting ourselves under pressure and, and seeing can we get the results and listen we've done it this year so um was a series touch county final against the where we got over the line so but there that's that's what makes it that's what makes you want to do it. That's what makes it special for us is within them them sort of big games. So um I suppose that's the driving force for us out there.
4: Yeah, it's, a, it's just amazing to be able to see it. Um, I suppose from a, a KCLR perspective, being Kilkenny and Carlow, we're going to have Mount Leinster Rangers going up against Shamrocks just at the end of December. That's going to be a huge game. You're get, you're back in kind of provincial. You're defending all Ireland champions at this stage as well because uh, last year's season was curtailed. But you're looking forward. I'd imagine that you're all going to be ready and raring to go, especially after celebrating TJ's wedding.
5: Yeah, uh, we'll have that out of the way. So, no, listen, we're ready. We know there's a, a tough challenge coming down against Man Leinster, you know, they they've been top of the ranks in Carlo now and they've seriously got Erlers and supposed nearly the backbone of the Carlo team as well, like, you know, so but I thought that's the next challenge and it's it's an exciting game for them, it's an exciting game for us. But like we can be under no illusions when you win to any you when you win to the next championship then you're up against champions and champions have been through the mill and they've won tough games the same as we have so I suppose it's a game of champions now and see who can come out on top and go forward to represent Leinster. So I think it'll be an exciting game. It'll be a tough game. We're, we're, we're not um, going to be taking anything for granted. and suppose they're not either. So, But again, all in the day, see how it goes. But um, one thing I can ensure you, it's going to be a tough game.
4: Yeah, we were kind of caught up with Adrian Mullen as well during the week. He was uh, echoing the same thing, big and strong uh, lads, as you said as well, inter-county boys as well. Uh, Yourself no longer inter-county, but thank you very much for your service and being able to provide us with some great memories. Uh, Is there a part of you maybe looking forward to not having to go through the grain this winter with Kilkenny? You can kind of relax, maybe have a few celebrations?
5: Yeah, I think think (laughs) you won't miss the winter train maybe when it comes to the summer months and and you're watching the championship games it may be different, but I don't think for me I'm I'm happy enough with what I've done. But probably won't miss the winter slog. But listen, we'll be slogging away with Ballyhale. Hopefully, for hopefully it's for a long run. But if it's a short one we'll be slogging away for a couple of weeks in (laughs) there
4: Joey thanks ever so much for taking the time and talking to us best of luck against Mount Leinster Rangers I'm going to be uh, echoing that sentiment as well when I'm talking to Mount Leinster Ranger manager Conor Phelan in just a bit as well so I have to keep it neutral here but uh, thanks very much for your service in the black and amber Uh, some incredible memories uh, as we said 2015 just uh, amazing I was looking back on the videos there I was looking back on yourself lifting it not so long ago but uh, thanks very much for taking the call best of luck with Shamrocks uh, for the season and for the year Ahead.
6: Adrian Mullen of Ballyhale Shamrocks and Kilkenny is with us. Of course, we're at the launch of this year's AIB GAA Club Championships and AIB Camogie Club Championships that will see AIB celebrating hashtag the toughest players of all, those who don't quit, who keep going and persevere no matter what. These characteristics define the players who come back year after year and show up for their club when it matters most. How are you? Very good Oisin, how are you? I'm very, very good. I'm not as good as you because I'm a middle-aged man and I have won medal to show for it. How many have you got now at this stage with Ballyhale, Shamrocks and even your county you won a few with as well?
7: Yeah, um, well at the weekend we won the, the four in a row. Like, so um, I played on three, three doors I was out injured for um, the one last year. So four counties and then the two All-Irelands and um, the two Lancers. So that's my collection all. It,
6: it's not a bad haul for one so young, is it? No I can't complain
7: But or, um, You know we'll, we'll stay Looking for more anyway And um, You know See where this year, this year Takes us
6: And that's the thing With Ballyhale Shamrocks Like Excellence is just normal there And the culture is one of Keep working hard Regardless of what you've won And what you've done It seems to be that like You start from point zero Every season Where it's like You haven't won something And you always look like a team Who are out for their first Not their Fifth in a row As it will be In, in, in uh, Kilkenny Next season And um God, I think I've lost count of your Leinster and All-Ireland titles as well. But that seems to be the case with Ballyhale. You never stop.
7: Yeah, and I think even it's kind of a competitive culture down there. Like, you know, we, th- there was a teams back, I- um, back a few years ago now who, like, they won three All-Irelands, you know. So uh, we were, n- we we're a new team and we kind of want to, you know, kind of beat them, I suppose, with, the, with their collection haul. Like So um, I think that's what keeps us kind of hungry because... You know, like you look at T J and Owen Reed and Colin who won their tenth county final medal like so and I, I know I know Colin's uh, father, um, Michael Fenley has nine county final medals, so he, I think he's fairly happy. He bet him by one now at the weekend. So, um you yeah, know, it's just fairly competitive and you know, we all kinda you know, you just want to win like Joe you know, any time you go out, so I think that's what
6: And last year, as you mentioned, you you missed out because of injury. Was last year the ideal time to be out injured if there's ever such a time because we had hurling as it had to be rather than how we liked it with crowds and all the usual trimmings that go along with it. So to miss out on a non-crowd final um, with no AIB, Leinster Club or All-Ireland Series to follow and none of the usual stuff that goes with it, was that? did that feel like you didn't miss as much as you would have if you'd missed this year for example?
7: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's never an ideal time to get injured, but um, as you were saying, w- without the crowds, it it definitely wasn't the same. Like um, you know, even like, with Kenny, you know, uh, in the Lens find there was only a couple of thousand there. Like, and it really adds to it. Like, you know, and um, you know, and now that the fa- the cl- the supporters are back, like you know, you have your family, your friends in there watching, like, and that definitely adds to it. Like, and even after winning like say last year there was no one on the pitch and then this year all our families and friends you know we got to meet them after we won Like so it definitely
6: adds to it 100% It seems like a simple thing when you're injured just do the work and you'll get back but how hard is it actually to do that especially during lockdown which I imagine made it all the more difficult again
7: Um, Yeah look Oshina was definitely one of the hardest things I've come through through my career like so um, you know it was was a mentally tough battle but um, you know I had I was surrounded by good lads like you know um, within the club and then obviously I was talking to uh, our physios and strength and conditioning team like so um, I had a good team around me and then obviously you know I spoke to a few lads who have done their crew sheets as well like you know Henry and, and my uh, my brothers have done theirs as well so um,
6: you know if I needed help I knew where to go like and I suppose that's what kind of got me through it, Like, is it harder to be injured because some people might think well you don't have to do the training and the hard work which I know you like doing but it's difficult but when you're injured, it's 24-7, isn't it? You always have to be doing the exercises. You always have to um, stick to, I'll use that horrible sports term, stick to the process. And if you don't, you won't come back right. How, w- was that difficult to actually just live that life 24-7? And I suppose, again, going back to the fact that you were doing that during lockdown, you'd kind of nothing else to look forward to. At least at, least at normal times when you're doing that, you might be able to get out and socialise and live a life. But during that, there was there was no escape.
7: Yeah, exactly. And... Um you know, you said stick to the process, like, and I suppose that that's easy to say, but it's it's fairly hard to, to do as well, like, and um, you know, like every day you get up, you have to, you be wary the knee like the whole time, and um, you know, you just have to get on with it, like, you have to do your rehab, and it's nearly twenty four seven thing, like, cause you're always it's always in the back of your mind, like, so, um, you know, you just try to do everything that'll kind of help you through it, like, and you know, just. Talk to talk to your team, like your physio team, and just see what you can do to get just get the knee right, like and you know, just get you back hurling and I suppose that's why I don't anyway, like
6: Yeah. And and what was Henry's advice? Because as you say, he had this injury. And I remember at the time him talking about being stuck up in the house on the hill and he couldn't get out because it was snowing and he was just he was just really down about it. Did he talk to you about that? Or did you ask him questions about how he got through it? What kind of conversations did you have? Um yeah, just when it first happened, I just rang him up, like just to, just to see
7: how to deal with, it, I suppose, and whatever, like. But um, even when I was back hurling, back training, like I remember, a few times I was down in the pitch running, and he was down running as well, like, and um, you know, just to see, what he what he achieved, like after, like what after what two he he done, like so, um, you know, I was just looking at him, and I was like, I want to be like that, like you know, and. Get back hurling and get back winning and and stuff like that. Like so, and then um, <clears throat> I remember after the the our game in the league against Dublin, um, I just happened to meet him down the pitch again. Like and uh, you know he just explained to me that, you no, know, I I got taken off at half time that day. Like and uh, he just explained that he was in the same boat. Like you know you're you're kind of doing things that are fairly uncharacteristic of you. Like and he just explained that he was in the same boat. Like and just stay working at it and just watch it back and see what you could have done better and and things like that. So, you know, that just really helped me, like, through it.
6: Was that the hardest part, actually, when you came back and started to play, but you weren't where you were at? And that takes an awful lot of time, but you as a competitive animal, you want it to happen straight away.
7: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, um, you know, you just have to use kind of every game, every match, every training, you know, you just want to get better. And you definitely do feel yourself... um, you know, getting back to where you were, like, every training. Like, so you just have to, I suppose, put the head down and just stay training hard and, you know, it will come back to you, like, and, um, yeah, you just have to stay believing, like.
6: And does it change you as a hurdler both physically and mentally? Like, is this Adrian Mullen 2.0 having come back from the injury? Um, no, I don't think so, you know. Um, you can't really let, like, injuries define
7: you either, like, so, um, you know, I'll just continue to do what I... I had done before, um, but the injury as well, you know, just continued working hard and, and trying to get better. So, no, it, it definitely doesn't define you as a, as a hurder.
6: And when you won Leinster this year and when you won the county um, this season, were those kind of big landmark days along the road or how did you feel?
7: Um, yeah, obviously, like, it's it's great to, to be winning these things, like, um, and, like, you know, you've, you've worked so hard to get back playing and you know for these days as well so it definitely was special like um, to win the Leinster and, and the county but um, you know we were obviously disappointed we didn't um, get, get one step further with the county either so um, you know there's always ups and downs in, in the sport like so yeah. just, you just have to stay working hard
6: That's true and we'll get into county some other day this is all about club today and um, speaking of club one of the club's great servants Henry is going off to go away. first of all what was your reaction when you saw it? Um, yeah, look. Um, I suppose there's a, a bit of uh,
7: level of kind of disappointment, obviously, because you know he's such a a good manager, as we've seen. Like he 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 got guided us to to um, counties and to uh, club All Ireland, like so. Um, you know, he it was disappointing him seeing on because you know Galway are obviously going to benefit from it, and you know we obviously don't want that. So um, you know, um, yeah, I I'd, I'd love like. Obviously, I'd love to be working with him because I know I know the level of uh, professionalism that he brings to the the camp. Like, so, um. But look, you no know, best luck to him, and we'll
6: see what happens. Yeah, and look, you had just outlined what he won with you, so I think you're you're pretty much after saying he's a good manager. They're getting a good man. Uh, talk to me about the next game in the AIB Leinster Club Championship. It's Mount Leinster Rangers, kind of a local derby, Carlow and Kilkenny. Um, that'll be tough, won't it? Because any team that comes out of carlow is good and of course we know how good Ballyhill shamrocks are
7: yeah exactly it's going to be a very tough game um you know obviously they have a few um county players as well in, in their side like so they're very they they have a very good team like and they they're big and they're strong like so and obviously this time of year anything can happen like um you know it could be it could be a miserable day like so we'll have to be on our toes the whole time and um yeah, it we'll would just be happy ready for it like from the world go so
6: and how different or difficult is it being involved in a battle like that at this time of year because the ground is a bit heavier so the hurling I suppose is a bit slower are you relying on different traits as a hurler at this time of year than you would be we'll say when you're playing for Kilkenny at the height of the summer Um, yeah
7: I think um, you know, obviously hard. Work, you have to bring hard work to every game but more so this, this time of year you know because every every ball you get like you have to fight, you know, so hard to get it. Like and um I remember I, I was actually talking to to um to Cody there during the week and we were just saying like um how hard it is, you know, playing this time of the year. Like 'cause uh we can't remember the last time we actually uh went on a solo run without, you know, 'cause you're you're met with two or three bodies the whole the whole time, like so any ball you get you have to you know, you're you're surrounded by two or three men and, you know, the ground is it's slippy and it's slow, like so. It's definitely really hard, and you know, um, it's just any anyone could be anyone on any given day this time of the year. So you just have to be ready.
6: Yeah, Mount Leinster Rangers have pulled off shocks before, haven't they? So you'll be, you'll be wary of that. Exactly, you know, and
7: um, they obviously had a, a good run there back a few years ago. So, and um, my my late uncle uh, Brendan was actually um manager of them uh, for a couple of years. So um, I know I know what they're they're going to bring, and you know, they're going to be very good,
6: like so. Adrian Mullen, thanks for joining us at the launch of the AIB Club Championship. Thanks, Oshin.
4: Welcome back to Scoreline. Joining me now on the line is Mount Leinster Rangers manager Conor Phelan. Conor, thanks very much for taking the time, sir.
8: No
4: uh, Massive game coming up against uh, Shamrocks. How have preparations been going?
8: Yeah, not too bad the last while, I suppose. Um We've uh, we've we were just off the, the back of um a county championship there which we which finished in the nineteenth of September so um so we we're 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 a long way off hurling but but uh, they went straight back into football then for, for the last five or six weeks so um and got to the quarter final of the championship there. So so yeah, so it's for us as uh, or the semi-final. So for us is it's it's just trying to get back hurling now and trying to prepare for for the, the 4th of December against obviously um, highly fancy Ballyhale team. So hopefully we can um, get it together now in, in the next couple of weeks and uh, and be competitive.
4: Yeah, it's been, it has been some time since uh, you, you last played competitively. That uh, the, the defeat of St Mullins in the county final, as you mentioned September 19th over two months ago. By that time, the Ballyhale game now goes ahead. It'll be two and a half months since your last competitive game are you worried at all that the team will be lacking in match sharpness now I know they got to the semi-final at the Carlos Senior Football Championship but all in all two different disciplines or is it just part and parcel of being a dual club
8: yeah I think it's a part and parcel of being a dual club and it's great that the guys are being competitive and for most of the hurling management we'd be encouraging all the players to play football and and vice versa so we have a good understanding there of the two managements and um, we work very closely together and and I suppose even b- before we started the hurling championship this year in Carlow, uh, they were in the semi-final of, of the football championship 2020. So the week before we started the the, the um, our first round. So yeah, so it's it's just a man- trying to manage both. And um, in fairness, there's there's uh, a lot of players. I think there's only um, five players in total that don't play um, don't play football from, from our squad. So it's, it's it's trying to manage that and to make sure that they're up to up to speed and have a bit of fitness and the hurling as well and uh, obviously then when the footballers come back that they're up the match practice as regards hurling so it's a, it's a balancing act and um Obviously the last couple of weeks is is, is uh, we are only back a week and a half now so um just to training but yeah so it's, we're trying to get a couple of challenge matches in and trying to get that match sharpness there so um yeah so hopefully it, it'll um it, it'll it'll uh, let's say it, it'll come together and, uh, and and hopefully have a good performance on the fourth
4: and uh, Adrian Mullins come out and said uh, that you know it's going to be a real tough battle it's going to be a real tough test for both sides and um, both sides kind of really Edging to, to, to push on Has there You noticed that there's been A real edge in training Over the last week or so Since you found out You would be facing the Shamrocks Because They arguably Could be the biggest test In club hurling For anybody
8: Yeah certainly And I suppose for us it's It's obviously Obviously, Carrick, hurling, and Mount Leicester Rangers, and obviously they all have a um, they all have a say a proud tradition, and and obviously they want to be competitive and and match themselves against the best, and obviously ballyhale Shamrocks have have been the best club team for the last two years arguably the last in the last decade. So I suppose for 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 our guys to be able to to come up against them and challenge themselves i suppose it, it, it's a it's a good it's a challenge for, for our guys so hopefully um they can they be able to rise to it and i suppose um like uh, they're obviously a, a very stacked team with with a lot of inter county experience and and a lot of even club experience playing in the big stage so over the last number of years and so it'll be, yeah, obviously it'll be a big challenge for us, but um, something that we, you know, we, we, we'd like to think we'll be able to look forward to.
4: Yeah, and it's something that seems ingrained in in um, Mount Leinster Rangers. Like, you obviously had that famous run to the all Ireland Final back in 2014, have been hugely successful in Carlow ever since. It, there seems to be a real hunger amongst the players to replicate that run, replicate the form in the county championship in recent years on the Leinster scene.
5: Yeah,
8: I, I suppose there there would be. All right, um, and you know, I suppose we we had a good campaign last year with uh, with, the, with, with the with the club, let's say hurling championship. And unfortunately, there was no let's say Leinster club hurling championship, so, so we didn't get an opportunity to to have a go and let's say the Leinster campaign there. So, but so we have an opportunity this year, and obviously we're we're playing against the Ireland champions. So. So I suppose it's uh it's a, uh, it's probably a uh, uh, we'll we see how we get on as regards a run. But you know, again, it's an opportunity for us to see where, to see where we're at. Um, but yeah, they, they did have a, a huge proud tradition there, and uh, obviously they're, they're steeped in, in, in let's say hurling, even though it's a, a relatively young club. Um, they, they love the hurling on football and let's say the, the committee and uh, the the mentors, etc., really love their their hurling and, and they're really passionate about it. So, uh, yeah, so if if we could get on any any club run I think it would bring, let's say a bars and the surrounding areas really really um they'd be really excited about it. But uh, obviously, um we've got we've got a tough challenge on, on um Saturday in uh, two weeks time
4: and in, in terms of Ballyhell Shamrocks just going back to it for a bit like you know Lachlan's took him pretty much uh, well I would say to the wire until the last uh, couple of maybe the last water break or something like that but like have you been able to see much of them they could be there for the taking
8: Ballyhell Shamrocks have a, a seriously experienced team and um I'm obviously involved with McKinney, uh seniors at the moment, and obviously we're going to see a lot of these players up front in training and stuff, and obviously a lot of county to county experience. So for us, then, like uh, you look through the team, and um, have uh, let's say high profile names in every line line of the team, and uh, you know, so it's for us, it's, it's it's trying to be competitive in those areas and stay in, in the match as long as we can. And I suppose the Loughlins, and I suppose that was a really really good county final, and. I often stayed with them for for a large periods up to fifty minutes, and then conceded two goals, and then it went out to seven points. You know, so you know, so he obviously against Burnie, he can't he can't switch off, and, and as I said, they, they, they've they've um, a lot of uh, players, and even from a bench point of view, you know, Darren Mullen was out the last day, and Kevin comes in, Kevin Mullen comes in. You know, so they, they've huge experience there, and. Owen Reed, I would have heard was given with him back in Waterbury T and he's uh, still doing the business for him up front. So you know they they have a nice mix between, between old and youth, and the the obviously the up and coming guys like the Adrian's and the Owen. So so like they have a nice balance, and you know it'll be um, it'll be a challenge for us, but um, so hopefully we can be stay with them uh, as as long as we can and see where that takes us.
4: Oh well, and even though from a Mount Leinster per, uh, perspective, like you have inter-county stars like Chris Nolan, Kevin MacDonald, John Nolan, John Michael Nolan, like amongst others. Like you're, you're quite littered with experience as well.
8: Yeah, no, they have loads of experience and we've, we've obviously got a lot of guys involved with, with Carlo in the county and, um, and obviously they, they put in a, a, um, a, a, a long, let say, <coughs> a long shift this year as well. So, for them, yeah, they, they, they would have played in kind county on of odd enough the last couple of years and, um, but again it's, it's trying to match ourselves up against obviously the the best in Kenya but obviously the best in Ireland for the last two years and um yeah for we have to back our own skill set and we have we've guys playing in, in different positions and we have been a nice mix between experienced guys who played back in twenty fourteen as well and, and guys who, who are still playing today so and we're trying to kinda to mix it with the with the youth as well. We've got coming in this year and he's only nineteen and you know, so again it's trying to mix that with the John Nolans is trying to and, you know, uh, you have Kieran Kavanaugh and etc. So we we have a nice, let's say, blend of of youth coming through the team but we all have a, a backbone of experience and we'll probably need every bit of it, let's say, um, on Saturday, Saturday week.
4: Uh, it'll be, no doubt, a great game, just like the St. Mullins game. Like, just touching upon that as well, all of your 24 points remarkably came from play in that game. How good of a performance from that team in that game? Like, it, it seemed like you couldn't miss.
8: Yeah, I suppose we're we're probably up for that game because we, we lost to them the recent two years before we in the county final by a point, and um, obviously we were we we're looking for trying to build towards that and and trying to get, get get a performance um, in, in that match, and if we uh, had a performance, we'd be there thereabouts, and and thankfully we had a, I think the first seven the first um, the first half. I think we had 15, 16 points in play, and uh, obviously, obviously, we hit went over. And, um, so yeah that was pleasing I suppose uh, to Dako Guard and, and following on like we'll need that again we'll need to hit every free. we we'll need them to miss a few you know we'll need to take every chance we have um, to be competitive and you um, so hopefully uh, we, we we can do that but yeah so if we if we can get to a similar pitch maybe um as we as we did in the county final um hopefully we won't be too far away but obviously there's a there's two months gone in the meantime where we've been playing football so for us it's it's, it's trying to trying to get back up to that pace if we can
4: well connor thanks very much for taking the time we're looking forward to the game just before you go for most teams that the county championship is the pinnacle and anything else is a bonus but could that maybe lack of pressure along with uh, somewhat underdog tag give your team a real chance of just going out there playing with freedom not over worrying about the magnitude of the game
8: Yeah I think so and it's obviously uh, it's, it's a high profile game when you're playing the Northern champion. so for us it's um, it, it's a, an opportunity to, say it to get our performance together and, uh, and play with a, play, play with a, with a bit of free will and, and have a go and back yourselves and the opportunities themselves we need to take them and and I think that's probably probably the key and um, but for our guys yeah it's to showcase what what, what skills they have as well and um, and what better occasion to be able to do it against the All Ireland champions and and, and reigning county champions for the last four years so. Uh, it should be a good
4: challenge it certainly will we'll be looking forward to listening to it out here on KCLR Connor, thanks very much for taking the time of day we wish you best of luck in the next round against the Shamrocks it should be a cracking contest
5: appreciate it Shane thank you
4: thanks very much Connor Phelan Mount Leicester Rangers manager stick around here on Scoreline lots more still to come Man with me now is here to help. Oh eight three three zero six nine six nine six dinners ready Jada e contact line WhatsApp line. Send in your fitness related questions. I'm now with Donna Carney from DC Fitness, sir. How you doing,
9: Shane? How's it going? Thanks a million for having me on. I really
4: appreciate. it No, it, it, it's great to have you on. I see you doing. I see you out in the roads. Yeah, we're, we're always passing we're each other. Passing, yeah, you're passing me out <laughs> more, more more times than not. But uh, you know you're have a very active, uh, positive Facebook, uh, social media kind of presence as well. And that's what what brings you to attention to not just myself, but other people that are around. And you're doing great things with DC Fitness.
9: Thank you very much, Shane. I I suppose um, I try to have a positive impact on anyone anyone I meet. Um, For anyone who doesn't know me, um, my name is Donna Kearney. I'm 27 years of age and from Kilkenny City. I've been in the army last, uh, coming on to year six, Uh, in Kilkenny, the Turb battalion and I suppose the reason Shane has me on the programme today is I run a private gym studio from my home, uh, DC Fitness or Dunacarney Fitness or it goes by the Shed Fitness. The reason behind the Shed Fitness is I suppose it's uh, the old family shed converted (laughs) into a gym so uh, that goes by the Shed Fitness and it's really basically where I offer a service, a one-to-one uh, service or two-to-one service where uh, people that are new to training beginning have a kind of friendly fun environment mental environment that they can come in um, learn the basics on fitness uh, nutrition and then obviously go on to bigger and better things so
4: and the, the thing with personal training as well that kind of sets it apart because when i'm having a chat with somebody to say uh, they're like oh i want to go to the gym and there might be a bit kind of put off might be thinking people are looking at them, with they're generally not. People who are going to the gym from themselves. But the thing about personal training as well, you mentioned non-judgmental. That's a big factor in people wanting to just begin their training. So, how do you bring that kind of fun factor into training for a first timer?
9: Yeah, so it's really important that you know you feel comfortable in in any environment that we're in. Um, I suppose the reason I have such a passion for personal training and online coaching is. In my kind of uh, early 20s, 19, I suppose I was in a bit of a bad routine. I was eating a lot of fast food, fizzy drinks and little or no exercise. And I was just kind of in a bad, bad rut. Um, I was probably about three stone heavier than I am today.
4: So you've been there. Yeah.
9: So like I I like to to say that, you know, I've walked the, I've walked the shoes of many of the people coming in the door to me. Um, I know exactly the kind of struggles that people might have when they're first starting out. I was a beginner, I didn't know how to lose weight, how to even exercise and I suppose I don't it was a kind of I've done everything the wrong and right way. Yeah. So uh, when people come into me I, I try to guide them in the right direction, maybe learn from the mistakes that I once had. And you know, I think people under uh, people like that the fact that uh, I've I've done the things that I'm asking them to do and I'm big emphasis on, you know, practice practice what you preach really
4: yeah experience coming from that side of things and when you're mentioning i've walked a mile in their shoes as well i like i was 20 stone at one (laughs) stage it used to hurt for me to walk i was so top heavy that my my shins felt like they were collapsing and it was just that initial step to kind of getting back on the road to um being healthy and because I because I was large but I wasn't healthy mind and body at the time as well it's a it's a hard thing to to get into so that one-on-one personal touch can really help people be accountable maybe for their actions i know a lot of people like to maybe rely on technology but technology isn't always there to push you on as well but making that first contact is probably the biggest thing that kind of is a barrier to people i would say even if I didn't want to train, putting on your gym gear is the first barrier for me now. But the first barrier for a lot of people who might be sitting on the couch and they might be like, look, I'm not feeling great. To see your happy online presence and the promotion of yourself and the fact that you're enjoying doing what you're doing from where you used to be those few years ago, it is a hugely encouraging thing for clients. So you're getting a lot of positive feedback on that.
9: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Shane. I suppose uh, the biggest... uh, bit when you're talking courage uh like i definitely think you know reaching out it takes courage you know to get involved you know even to join a gym that is it takes courage and like my job really i try to turn that kind of courage into confidence uh so completely building up, up confidence one of the things i think people struggle with a lot is confidence clothes not fitting them well and you know when i can i suppose see people coming in the first day and they're not as confident and I suppose they're nearly uh, leaving the gym uh, at the time with me nearly at the other scale of that, that cocky um, <laughs> you know and I suppose the great thing about COVID as well I've I've transitioned to online so this kind of broadens the kind of people I can work with
4: I've noticed that with a lot of businesses as well like I, I know you probably don't mean to see the great thing about COVID yeah. but in, in, <laughs> the, like one of the benefits and I noticed it when people were talking on KCLR Live yesterday was that businesses transformed into more of a digital approach and there's been no kind of industry that has had to make that transformation as much as the fitness industry gyms were literally closed and people didn't have their routine that they were normally doing it so for a business um for someone who just wants to help other people as well you know making that transformation would have been difficult to do but did you find that you came out well in the end of it
9: yeah you know like i was saying uh, the gym's I work closed, you know. There were so many businesses closed, uh, but the gyms did have the opportunity to, I suppose, offer their service online. uh, While other business was were completely closed, so you know, I was grateful that I could still offer a service through online. And I suppose I focus a lot of my energy on was kind of the males in the population, really, of between the ages of uh, eighteen and forty-five. I thought I could relate best to them, and you know, the feedback I've got and the the people I'm working with is is was amazing you know i'm so grateful that people are kind of trusting me with their with their with coming on as a coach and you know i try to offer them the best service nearly a one-to-one online service and you know it works really well a lot of people are extremely busy so they can't commit to you know certain times of training so an online uh coach you know you can fit your training in if you feel you have an hour in the evening or an hour during the day or an hour in the morning you can get your sessions in and then anytime you want to check in with your coach you'll be able to check in at, at any stage with the with the online so the one-to-one is brilliant for some people, and then I suppose the online is brilliant for, for other people. So it works work great ways, and I'm so grateful that I could transition to online while other businesses, were, their doors were shut and there was no online hairdressers or anything like that.
4: I get the sense that you take a lot of pride and accomplishment in... Your client's achievements, which is a great thing to see. I can see the smile kind of coming across your face as you're regaling us of tales of people that you may have uh, helped or people, as you mentioned, the age group of 18 to 45 males are, are people that you seem to be relating to a lot. And I can see the sense of pride that you have when you're talking about it.
9: Yeah, absolutely, Shane. You know, they trust me and I suppose uh, I have uh, I take a massive achievement in, in seeing these people uh, progress, not just in fitness, but in, in their own businesses, you know, outside with their, their families. And I suppose fitness is just one element of, or exercise is just one element of of what I, uh, I offer. You know, I try to make sure that these people, they're going home, they're happy. Um, and as well, you know, there's people I've been working with from the the first my first ever client and then recently you know she's completed a marathon so in the space of five years you know I've seen them going from coming in the doors to progressing to all the way up to a marathon so I take massive pride in wow. in the clients that that trust me and you know I try to give them a hundred percent.
4: That's uh, it, it, that's astonishing to hear, you know? Uh, like, even just to do a half mile, even for someone to do 5K, 2K, whatever, it's just stepping in that door for the first time, it's only a few steps, you're not making a K, but for, to go from... A few steps into a door, into a marathon is a huge, huge task. Uh, it takes perseverance. It takes uh, good training techniques. So kudos to yourself and to your client that you work to it. Now, here's the real question, right? Christmas is coming up. I'm walking through the supermarket. I see two boxes of heroes and celebrations for a tenner. I'm like, right. I'm going to talk into a bit. I'm going to treat myself over Christmas. I'm going to have a bit. I'm going to have two a day. Two a day turns into a box a night. How do you avoid that? What's happening? If you want to keep training, you want to keep fit during
9: the winter months, stop with the hibernation weight. That is very easy to put on. What's your advice? Um, I suppose, Shane, um, with, with Christmas coming, there's going to be a lot of occasions. Um, you know, friends are going to be coming home for Christmas, there's family events, so many kind of so social elements of, of the next kind of couple of weeks. I think the main thing is that we're, we're planning ahead. So, like you know, you're you're going out there for the Christmas party on on a Saturday. That we're getting in our training Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So leading up to the social event, that we're um, we're consistent with our training leading up to the, the event, and then we can socialize, then enjoy our event. And the main thing is that we're getting straight back after the following day, getting out for a walk. The following if, day, yeah. So <laughs> you're I, a madman. I, I think it's really important, Shane, that we are. At, we're moving every day and the following day I just mean we're getting up we're moving bring we're, the dog for a walk exactly we're getting out in the fresh air uh we're getting hydrated again um no no exercise the next day but I think <laughs> a, a walk a walk is is a great a great way of getting straight back into it
4: I like the idea of uh, working out before the party have your little pump on you know you're feeling good <laughs> in your in your t-shirt and stuff the t-shirt gets a bit uh, uh, tighter as the night goes on but still um in in terms of you're you're mentioning going out Alcohol obviously plays a, a a massive factor in Irish society. There's no kind of if buts around it. It also, the calorie intake of say a pint is, is huge, especially if you're consuming uh, the amount that some people might consume. Now, not me, of course, but some me included. But uh, how how is what's the relationship like between fitness and and alcohol? Like if. if you're mentioning people are going to be at these gatherings. They might have a few balls. They might have a few points. What's the, the, the relationship and the correlation to maybe a bad training regime yeah, like with alcohol? Well,
9: well I think with, with alcohol, um, it's everything in moderation. So, you know, if someone was working with me, look, these events, we, we, we can't hide ourselves from these events. There's always got to be, you know, a party, a wedding, a birthday coming up, uh, a friend coming home. So, you know, alcohol is is a big part of majority of our, our lives, you know, uh, it's. As an Irish person, you know, it's, it's great to socialise. Um, I think everything in moderation, Shane. So if you know you're going out, you're going to have a, a few drinks. That The week leading up to that, we're making sure that we're staying hydrated. We're getting in plenty of sleep. Um, alcohol affects our kind of sleep, so that would be affecting our recovery. So we're making sure, leading up to our social event, we're hydrating well. We're eating nutritious food. And then, like I was saying, the day after our, our event, we're getting out for a nice walk getting moving back, making sure we're hydrated then again, and then just back into the routine uh, from Monday onwards if we're out to Saturday night, Sunday is a nice walk plenty of water and we're back into our fitness uh, routine come Monday morning or Monday evening.
4: Another part of Irish society would be the adverse weather. Uh, as I said, you like going out running, you're, you're hitting the roads or whatever, but the weather might be uh, have a bit of a say in that, especially coming up to winter, might be a bit icy. How can people kind of adjust their training techniques say if they do like going out running or they like being out but they're a bit conscious of, of, of the weather.
9: Yeah so it all kind of refers back to uh, planning ahead Shane so basically I, I think the most important thing is we're having the right gear you know there's no point going out if it's raining uh, in a t-shirt or shorts you know we're going to pick up a flu. that's the last thing we want kind of this time of year um, so I think having the right gear is really important so you have a rain jacket if it's rain and obviously terminals if it's, if it's warm but you know, in Ireland, we're, we're kind of expecting a couple of wet days, so, you know, if you're, you're almost the most enjoyable yeah, days to train. Ex- exactly, you know, take take pride in it. Sometimes when I'm out running myself, there's, uh you, you the people you see out running that day are, are the real kind of runners, you could say, so uh, <laughs> take pride in You haven't in, seen me as yeah, of yet out in that weather. <laughs> take pride in it, you know, people are probably looking at you driving by in the car saying you're mad, but I suppose take a bit of pride in that, take it in your stride and really just embrace the rain, because... It's uh, it's it's we could be getting that for a very long time.
4: So do, do you I, enjoy training? Yeah.
9: Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I. I think uh, certain elements of uh, of training that I don't like. I think that the most important thing really is when someone asks me, "Do we enjoy training?" I enjoy the benefits that training does for me. Um. At times, like you were saying, it's raining. I'm tired after work. Going out for a run is the last thing I want to do, but it's the benefits, I suppose, when I'm back from my run, how I feel that I enjoy. So, I think for anyone, it's really important that uh, you find something that you enjoy the benefits of. So, if that's going to your fitness class, it might be tough at the time, but you're meeting your friends, you're coming home, and you feel really positive after it. That's the the side of fitness that I think is really important that we're enjoying the benefits. Of, uh, of what it does for us instead of the actual the, f- the physical side of it and I suppose uh, there is uh, there is something for everything out there so if there is somebody that has maybe joined the gym and they've said that this isn't for them there's, there's so many things uh, other things and especially in Kilkenny we're kind of blessed with the the facilities we had I heard uh, TJ reads on yes they talk about their facilities you know even not too far here from the studio there's there's in the space of a kilometer there's you know three unbelievable facilities so if you are someone that has tried something and it hasn't worked that doesn't mean it's it's broken definitely try something else um, get in contact with a coach see what a kind of plan that they can put in place for you because um, it's really important I suppose especially the time we're in that we're keeping on top of our our physical health and our our, our own well-being
4: and coming with physical health a lot of mental health comes along with that the confidence that it brings or just feeling good in yourself even as you said after the next day after party getting out clearing your head going for a walk it's not just a physical thing it's a mental thing and it's, it's quite good you're mentioning finding a coach if people want to find you if people want to find DC <laughs> Fitness if they want to be in the shed or they want to be on Zoom looking at you
9: telling them what to do where can they find you? They can find me on uh, I suppose any of the socials I'm DC Fitness on Facebook and then on Instagram I'm D C uh, dot shed fitness, and you can drop me a message if I um, can help you in any way. I, I certainly will, or if you have any questions, I suppose on the, the services that I offer, um, I'll certainly be able to help you. Also,
4: awesome. awesome, absolutely awesome. Donna, I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you out on the roads <laughs> in the next few days. Anyway, as you just sprint by me at a beautiful pace as I uh, lug along but thanks very much for coming in uh, we'll put that up on social media as well if anybody wants to get in contact but it's been a pleasure speaking to you and no doubt we're going to have you in again soon and talking about how great your clients have been doing
9: <laughs> absolutely Shane thanks a million for having me on and everyone here at KCLR it's been an experience I've really enjoyed it yeah.
4: Welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. It's been one of the most exciting F1 seasons in years. Seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton and Red Bull's Max Verstappen are battling it out for the 2021 World Championship. Verstappen himself is on... 332.5 332.5 points I think Heading into this weekend's Qatar Grand Prix While defending world champion Hamilton Only trails his rival by 14 points uh, The constructors' championship is equally tight With Mercedes Stranglehold on the championship Facing its biggest ever challenge Total Wolf's well-oiled machine Led Red Bull by a mere 11 points As a remarkable season reaches Its exciting climax The man that knows everything about it Is Thomas Marr Thomas thanks very much for taking the time sir
10: well, Shane.
4: How's it going? Oh, it's all good. I imagine you're quite excited with the ending and the crescendo of the F1 coming up. It, it, first of all though, in, in the short term, we had the Qatar Grand Prix debutant this weekend. What are your thoughts on F1 officials going to the Middle East yet again with a new Grand Prix?
11: Um, yeah, it, it's to be expected really that uh, the Middle East hasn't been hit that hard by COVID restrictions. So in terms of slotting in races at the end of the season... Um, Qatar was always likely, um, Australia was actually supposed to be on this weekend, that had to be cancelled because of COVID restrictions, so they found the replacement in Qatar, um, which of course is better known as a MotoGP circuit, but uh, it is FIA Grade 1, so as a result Formula 1 heading there this weekend. But I'm absolutely looking forward to an absolutely thrilling weekend, the battle between Hamilton and Verstappen, as you say, is absolutely um, as intense as you can really get in Formula One, really at the moment.
4: And and with with that in mind, with 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 the kind of change of track, I know Sergio Perez has came out and mentioned that it's a really fast track. So, who does that favour, in your opinion, Hamilton or Verstappen?
11: Well, based on what we've seen in Mexico and Brazil, you would have to say it looks like it favours Mercedes. And indeed, the, the last few tracks of the year will favour Mercedes because they're all. Very, very power-hungry, uh, very, very aerodynamically demanding uh, circuits, and this is an area Mercedes seemed to have the upper hand. Uh, Red Bull better at the more technical circuits, but there's not a huge amount of technicality here uh, in Qatar, in uh, Saudi Arabia, and at the new, uh, newly redeveloped uh, Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi. So with three races to go. You have to say, the last three tracks looked like they favour Mercedes, and that's not good news for Max Verstappen. His championship lead took a hit last time out in Brazil, uh, which kind of went against the grain of expectation, really. Everyone kind of thought Verstappen and Red Bull would have the upper hand in Brazil. That didn't play out at all like we expected, and as a result, you kind of have to feel this might be slipping away from Verstappen a little bit, because right now, the Mercedes looks the faster car And it's come at the perfect time for Lewis
4: Hamilton. Well, you're mentioning the Brazilian Grand Prix. Lap 48, turn four of last weekend's uh, Brazilian Grand Prix has been the talk this week, with Stewart's not looking into a particular incident between Verstappen and Hamilton, but Mercedes have since appealed that. What's your take on it, Thomas? And do you think Verstappen should be punished?
11: I think Verstappen was very lucky not to be punished. Um, I, I... Yeah, that's basically it. I think he was very, very fortunate to get away with no more than uh, he did. He he didn't even get a slap on the wrist, uh, to be honest, because the stewards didn't even investigate the issue. But uh, he did crowd Lewis Hamilton off the track. The stewards didn't have the advantage of having uh, the front-facing camera in their deliberations, which was something that stewards later admitted that they they wanted. Um, The onboard footage kind of down to who I suppose you support, whether you're a Hamilton fan or a Verstappen fan, I think you'll have different opinions on how hard that racing was. But at the end of the day, both of the drivers themselves didn't have a problem with how the incident played out. Um, Hamilton said he, he thought it was hard but fair. Verstappen said the same thing. I think Verstappen was a little bit cheeky on this occasion, but that little bit of luck that he got back uh, to keep his second place and not be penalised, I think probably bounces out some of the bad luck that he had earlier in the season with uh, technical issues and being crashed into by by Mercedes cars at, at Silverstone and Hungary. So, yeah, lucky to get away with it. But, you know, luck kind of bounces itself out over the course of the season.
4: Yeah, well, it, like Verstappen, of course, is, is such an exciting driver. But, like, because we've seen once more last weekend that, you know, he can sometimes go over the edge um, or, or be on the precipice of going over the edge. Do you worry for him at all that he can find himself in hot water for maybe making a silly mistake that it could prove crucial in a close battle for the championship?
11: Verstappen is a very, very um, hard racer. He has proven that right from day one. He is not afraid um, to use his car, I won't say as a weapon, but he's definitely not afraid of contact with other cars. He puts the, his car in a position where it's yield or we will have a crash. And at the moment, he has the upper hand in the championship. Um, he leads Hamilton in the in the point standing. So if the pair of them are to crash and both are taken out of the race, it arguably benefits Verstappen more than it benefits Hamilton. This is a tactic we've seen before in the past from Michael Schumacher, was used very effectively by him. Um, it's a tactic used by Ayrton Senna back in the day. So I think Verstappen is probably not quite as clean a racer as hamilton um but then again we've we've seen hamilton you know not afraid to push the likes of Nico Rosberg off the track as well uh, on occasion so you know all these drivers have a ruthless streak and at this point in the championship with tensions as heightened as they are and with the with the end goal in sight i i think there's still another flashpoint between now and the end of the season.
4: Uh, there's 78 points to play for between the next three races you mentioned Qatar, Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi now Hamilton of course a seven time world champion and the first of those with McLaren quite literally came down to the last turn in 2008 could his experience compared to maybe Verstappen prove crucial as the pressure really starts to build now?
11: I I think experience I think isn't really what matters here Hamilton of course does have the experience of doing this on several occasions already But Verstappen is such a unique uh, personality in that he seems to be exceptionally good at handling pressure. Um, We saw how well he handled that pressure when he um, stormed to victory in in front of his home crowd at Zandvoort two months ago. Uh, We've seen him hold off Hamilton uh, at arm's length while being chased down in the United States a couple of weeks ago. Verstappen is exceptional under pressure. As is Hamilton, and that's pretty much it. I I don't think Verstappen's going to crack under pressure, but it's basically going to come down to who has the faster car and who can put in the cleaner weekends.
4: And, like, it, it, it is a quite exciting time to be following F1 because a lot of the recent title charges in recent years have been Really over before to begin with. Hamilton maybe running away with it earlier in the season. So, how exciting has this season been? Bearing in mind and how important it was for F1 to have two rivals go at it for the entirety of the season, like we've seen in the past, and not, but not for quite some time.
11: Well, fundamentally, the cars that they're using this year are the same cars that they raced with last year. Um, due to due to the COVID pandemic, um, so it's surprising that this year has actually proven as, as close as it as it has been, because Mercedes dominated last year. But we've got to remember that next year there is a huge regulation change on the way for 2022. It's basically the slate is being wiped clean. These cars that are racing right now are useless in three weeks' time. They they will not be used again. Um, And none of the technology even carries over for next year, apart from basically the engines and a few ancillaries. So um, Formula One is is on a good thing at the moment. And hopefully that carries through into next year and we get it as an exciting uh, 2022 as we did this year.
4: And outside of the two boys then, outside of Verstappen and Hamilton, who or what has caught your eye as maybe a standout driver or something that has been quite significant this season?
11: Well, I think Ferrari and McLaren's uh, recent pace and their resurgence this year, they're fighting over third and fourth place. And of course, an, any older fans would know that, that Ferrari and McLaren used to be the, the big boys of the sport and it was always Ferrari versus McLaren. It hasn't been that way in, in almost 15 years now. We haven't actually had a Ferrari-McLaren battle. So at this point, it looks as though they've been kind of steadily rebuilding themselves Uh, Getting financial stability uh, in place on McLaren's side Uh, A return to Mercedes power from McLaren Ferrari have sorted out their power unit issues And have been building steadily over the last two years So I think next year We could see Ferrari and McLaren bounce back right to the very front
4: And speaking then of who's going to be in front I'm going to have to press you on it Who's going to be crowned uh, come the end of this championship?
11: That's a tough question, Shane. <laughs> um, that's why
4: I come to the man that knows about it.
11: I have a suspicion, just based on the tracks we're going to, um, I, I think Red Bull have dropped too many points this year. Not at their own um, fault. I think the likes of the Silverstone crash, the Hungary crash, and the Azerbaijan tire failure, that's cost for Stappen. he He would have had the title wrapped up by now if that hadn't happened. But I think Lewis's recent momentum and Mercedes' recent resurgence against Red Bull, I think it's too late for Red Bull and Honda to be able to hold off Mercedes' pace. So I think it's going to be close, but I think Hamilton is going to snatch it by the end.
4: Thomas Meyer, the voice of F1 at this stage here on KCLR. Thanks very much for taking the time.
11: No worries, thanks, Shane.
4: We look around here on Scoreline, lots more still to come. You're very welcome back to Scoreline. We're going to be switching our attention to athletics. Always great to be chatting with Perry Williams, County Board PRO. Perry, thanks very much for joining us.
12: You're welcome.
4: Uh, we've had a fantastic year in terms of local representation with Kilkenny and Carlow at the Olympics. It seems like athletic is going strong within the area.
12: Yeah, COVID has been good to a lot of athletes and some people have been affected by it. But I think in the main, those who are really interested in pursuing athletics to the higher echelons have fared very be- well out of it. I suppose part of it is they've had more time to train.
4: And with facilities as well I, I know that some certain facilities certain tracks uh, I'm up in the watershed myself I noticed that the track was available to uh, athletes as well so con- having the facilities kind of come back uh, a bit earlier said than team sports might have been beneficial also.
12: Yeah the facilities were open for a good while but the problem with the facilities back during Covid was that you were limited maybe to six athletes at a time and right. you know six athletes maybe three groups of six or something like that so there, you know that was a little bit kind of awkward to try and arrange time So many athletes um, ended up with trying to find fields or roads to train on. And, you know, when you go onto things like roads, you're kind of looking at, say, a bit of more muscular damage from the hard ground. So, yeah, that was that was a little bit challenging. But at least now that tracks have opened up on our regular facilities, whether it's tracks, gyms or fields, you know, they're they're available to us again. So kind of athletics as normal for the last number of months.
4: Oh, That's very interesting because for something like boxing, which is an individual, sport but they would have missed out on say crucial aspects of their development like uh, sparring and stuff like that athletes were still able to, to go ahead I know it's quite individual like cases but they were still able to go ahead and do training during the pandemic. Yeah there was a little
12: bit of compromise um, I know say in our own club St. um, you know we certainly had a lot of compromise where um, during the complete lockdown so yes our track was open um, for, for our athletes um, but you could only train with one other person so there is that little bit of compromise um, our usual locations for long runs were always in woods and forests around around our own area in the southeast in the south of the county so they did that aspect didn't change it was just getting your actual speed sessions in but then the other side of it is like nobody knew what they were training for because nobody knew how long this was going to go on so you were kind of holding back a little but at the same time you wanted to give And I guess it's only those very elite athletes who are carded and were kind of progressing towards Olympics. They were the ones that had that regular facility and knew exactly where they were. And those tracks were kind of first available to those types of athletes, which I suppose is only fair because they've missed out already on quite a bit. With with
4: competitive nature and sport in general being quite a primal thing because people want to win. um, Has the advancements in technologies over the past year, was that a benefit during the, the pandemic?
12: Um, I would say that the major advance has been in the shoes. I mean, we've all heard about the shoes and, you know. I have a few pairs myself. (laughs) Yeah, 150, 200 euro (laughs) a pop. Yeah, lovely. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the shoe has been a major thing. I mean, I know I've been kind of looking into this myself and talking with people and a lot of athletes reckon that over 3K, for example, that um, the dragonflies can give you up to maybe about a five or six second advantage. Now, that is huge over 3K. Um, so obviously, fifteen hundred you might be talking about four seconds, and you know either side of that there can be other seconds to gain as well, depending on the type of athlete you are. And then the runners, um, you know, the, the big high platform runners, as they're almost called, they certainly have an advantage. Although something has come out recently saying that if you're wearing them long term, that there's now kind of a little bit of scientific evidence to prove that there may be a kind of a little bit of injury kind of coming with it.
4: I'm noticing that I'm a four foot striker, as I was told, so. So I'd notice with the, the runners that I'm using, after a while, as you mentioned, 100 to 200 euro pop after a certain amount of kilometres, you start getting those little niggly injuries. My IT band I had to go down to David Roach, get that sorted out. So um, they, there can be benefits and there can be uh, negatives to it. Talking about the positives, though, in terms of athletics, talk about the people who are going to be in those shoes and competing. Is there anything coming up on the horizon for... Kilkenny runners yes there are so we have,
12: a, we have a big event this weekend and that's the national championships which are being held in Santry um, the normal for these championships is Abbottstown but with European cross country being held in Abbottstown obviously they want to preserve the course so we've moved to Santry um, it's certainly a big day for Kilkenny um, as every All-Ireland is Um, I think we've got a number of athletes who will stand out on the day. Um, For example, one of the big things that comes to mind for me is that the senior ladies team, we've always been very lacking in athletes progressing to the senior level. And I think there's been a little bit of success among clubs in Kilkenny getting their athletes to just that little bit further than 16, 17, 18. And we now are in a great possession that we have, you know, a full team of athletes for Kilkenny competing in the senior women's for the first time in many many years as well as a number of juniors and 17 18 year olds who are ready to step up to the mark so you know we've that in the women's and we have to a lesser extent we have it in the men so the men needs a little bit of work to get up into those etchings of the senior level but the women's certainly is very very strong at the moment.
4: And uh, in in terms of what what can the, the fellas do then to be able to get back all, all up to that level and compete with the, the rest?
12: Um, I think it's it's almost like some of this happens by accident. I think if you look at the players at the moment in the ladies, you have a group from KCH, you have a group from St. Senens and you have a group from Thomastown. Um, now you have individuals like you have Lauren Darmody up in Castlecomer, and you have other individuals throughout the county. But I think on the main, the fact that you've got three groups of girls that train together that have come up the, the ranks and juvenile together and are maybe only a year, two years, sometimes just uh, that is all that separates them in age. They sp- inspire and motivate each other to come along. Um, and, you know, certainly I think with the men, there's kind of that gap at the moment. You've got the likes of Owen Everett, who's in his early 30s. Then you had a great group there with Shay McAvoy, Peter Lynch and those. But you're kind of you've kind of got one individual And then you're reaching back to 16-year-olds after that to try and make up the the team. So there's just a little bit of... I suppose no man's land there around the nineteen kind of year olds at eighteen, nineteen year olds at the moment. Um there's certainly individuals there like Carl O'Reilly, for example. he's he's doing really well, but he doesn't have a team to support him. he He was the only one in the county championships. So there just needs to be more cohesion among the athletes to work together to to move each other along, I think.
4: um also, with, say, 2020 was meant to be the year of championing women in sports and it was obviously curtailed due to the pandemic to a degree, but we still have seen success stories, especially in athletics, coming from the likes of Kilkenny. You have Ava Richardson doing amazing over in the US. you have clean a Manning as well. You've just had so many different... Molly Scott from a Carlo perspective. Yes. You know, you know do, these people... Are really kind of shining examples of what can be accomplished by getting involved in the sport at this age. I believe it is Ava traveling from the US. Yeah, so this? Ava's
12: home at the moment, and she's she's going to be so just getting back. I suppose to just answering your question, I think first of all those ath- those athletes that you mentioned, and among others, Brona Kearns from St Senans is another one, um, and Lauren Darmody is another girl as well who's she's injured at the moment. But like those athletes have always been inspired to do well and to be the best they. can can be because that's who they are. You know, that's their personality. And I think the whole women in sport thing, while it has gained national recognition, I think in terms of athletes, there's no programme as such that says, let's get all of these women together and let them form a group where they can progress themselves. It's still down to the clubs to actually do that. Um, so while there may be all these programmes out there at the moment, I think there's an awful lot is centred around, like for example, there's one to do with TY, getting kids involved, females involved in sport in their TY year. That's going on at the moment, promoted by Athletics Ireland and other organisations. So I think we haven't seen the effect of let's let's get the funding in and let's nominate fixtures and events and let's get all of those, um, you know, those, those girls together. I mean, like for example, one of the things, and it's not to do with women, but it's just an example of what I'm talking about, about. We currently have an under 23 championship um, without a team event. So if you want people to progress, whether it's male or female, you've got to put in the structures. So, you know, whether it's female structures only you put in or whether it's overall athletic structures to move people on, they have to be there. You can't do it without the structures. Otherwise, you're going to be another Ava Richardson, another Brona Kearns, another Molly Scott, where they are individually motivated people anyhow.
4: Well, speaking of structures then, um, in terms of Having a structure in place also has financial implications and uh, everyone has suffered financially throughout the pandemic um, in in terms of sports. So how have the the clubs like St. Sennan's, your own club, or uh, the, the rest of the clubs been able to survive throughout it or have some of them indeed thrived?
12: I think there's some have thrived and some haven't I think um, I suppose knowing some of the players in some of the other clubs uh, I'd know them very well I think those of us that have had a whole history in athletics um, understand athletics and understands what needs to be done um, and we've kept in touch with our athletes we've given them training programmes um, you know we've tried to meet them where we could meet them um, and um, we've we've basically tried to motivate we've, we've taken our motivation um, techniques up to a, a higher level and it's been draining on coaches as well because you've got done a lot more work than you would normally be expected to do as a volunteer. Other clubs that are maybe fairly new to athletics or don't have the longevity in athletics that some people have, they maybe don't haven't thrived as much. But they are playing catch up. And I suppose the positive news is that most of those clubs will be successful going forward. And like we all had to do, they will learn organically as they grow. And that's the best way to learn is grow organically and you learn at that. If you try to learn too much too quickly, you're setting yourself up to fail. You have to be an experienced coach or an experienced athlete to gain the benefit from what you've learned.
4: Um, so we know what's coming up the cross county is coming up uh, this weekend Um, what's coming up then what's the fixture list like for say next year is it filling out a lot more than it was previously
12: Um, yeah it is it's filling out quite a bit Um, we've got fixtures for indoors we've got fixtures for cross country after Christmas so we've got a lot Got a lot on, and I suppose at the moment we're just focusing on each event as it comes, like next weekend, and hoping that you know people that likes Ava Richardson will get on the cross country team, that Brona Kearns uh, Saint Senna's is an outside chance, and I kind of you know I think the ladies themselves. You know, I'd be putting them down for a chance of a medal. Um, Owen Everett is there. Does, will he get on the team for, again, this year he did in 2019? That's a question that remains open. I suppose the ladies race is probably, dare I say it, for the risk of getting slaughtered, the ladies, ladies race is probably a little bit more interesting this time because there's a number of very, very fit individuals with key, with very large profiles that are competing, whereas the men's is a little bit more open. Um, we've also got, you know, Shea McAvoy's in the States, you know, wh- is he just that little bit too young to get on the under-23 team? Peter Lynch is there, he's in under-23 this year so look, who knows, you know um, and we a number of great juveniles Thomastown in the under um, you know, they, they'll they be competing in junior this time around and you know, traditionally that particular team um, they're currently under-19, they have done well all throughout their juvenile years so, you know, they could be I kind of fancy maybe for a medal. Um, an outside chance for a medal
4: saying it with the wry smile coming across your face uh, also. yeah
12: but you know they they've been there for so long that you know I suppose it's a deserving reward for them to start making medals at that particular level you know
4: well, uh, just in regards to Owen Everard, I see him out hitting the roads quite quite a bit and uh, he's looking he's looking fit and he's looking strong. So uh, we'll wish him all the best of luck, hopefully. We'll yeah. be catching up with you anyway, I believe, throughout, throughout the year, just to get a yes. rundown on everything that's happening. Yeah, we we'll yeah. look forward to hearing what happened and who got medals and how Kilkenny have uh, done in the competition. Oh, I'd be looking
12: forward to reporting on loads of success.
4: <laughs> Perry, thanks ever much for joining us. Okay, thank you. Stick around here on Scoreline. Lots more still to come. Welcome back to Scoreline. Just going uh, four minutes past four. Thanks very much to Angela for the news. Now, as promised, just before the break, joining me on the line is Camogie President Hilda Breslin. Hilda, thanks very much for taking the time. No, no, thanks for having me on. Hope it, hopefully you're keeping well. Unfortunately, disappointing news coming out on Friday in regards to the All-Stars uh, being postponed. It must have been a very difficult decision.
13: Yeah, it was a hard decision for us, um, I suppose, but we, we've all, throughout the COVID pandemic, we've put public health first and we continue to do it on Friday. We made the call. We've just postponed it. We haven't cancelled it. We haven't intended to go online. So we're hoping that when things settle down a bit, uh, hopefully maybe January, early January, we'll be back out and we'll have the event again. I think it's hugely important for our players to try and have it in person because it's, it's a huge event for them and it's recognition of the the role that they play in everything so we're really we're hoping to get it play or done early in January so that's the intention.
4: That's great to hear like a, a certainly the tumultuous time that we've all been living in in the past while it's proven to be quite difficult to manoeuvre in different uh, and unfortunate uh, kind of things have to be kind of taken into action. Are, are, us here ourselves will be live this Tuesday from uh, 7 o'clock to announce the overall junior, intermediate and senior teams of the year in uh, Kilkenny Komogi Championship so if people are still uh, interested and want to hear from a Kilkenny perspective we'll be able to um, uh, have that on Tuesday but yeah incredibly uh, difficult decision but there's a lot of stuff been going on in the background you've, you've launched your Komogi Association self-care series as well recently how important is something like that to get the right message out to players coaches parents and essentially every Stakeholder in the GA or uh, in Camogie
13: Yeah, it's vital. I suppose you know Kamogee is not just about what goes on on the pitch. It's allowed. A, it's about a whole lot more. And I suppose we we've seen that we need to take a role in the communities and and put the whole member for uh, forward. So I suppose it's really important for us to put forward these self-care uh, webinars and we've had a, a number of them on, on issues I think that are important to our members and, and particularly as well to our young members because life has been quite difficult for people maybe over the last two years and, and it's The whole person is what counts now. So we've been great. We've had a a number of them going on for the last couple of weeks and they're going to finish up in about another three weeks. So... The beauty, I suppose, of lots of the the things, how we've changed, how we run things is that we're now all so used to doing stuff online and it enables us to do a lot of this stuff that maybe before we didn't think about or we we thought we'd have to do it in person. So it's actually opened up a whole new area for us Um, and so we're really looking forward to that and I'd encourage people um, to go on and watch them. Um, There's one, you know, there's particular ones on um, cancer care and, and different areas of life besides the pitch I suppose and, and that's what's important it's the whole community aspect of Komogi that we're trying to emphasize.
4: Yeah it, it was fascinating to see when we um, came across it there during the week it's just uh, it seems like it's a, a great initiative and as we said and were alluded to the tumultuous time that everyone's having it's a great way to keep people engaged as well from everything bar the pitches also you know.
13: Absolutely, and look, i mean I suppose we're we're heading in now into the the twenty twenty and the twenty twenty one club championships so we're actually continuing on the pitch in some ways we'd normally be maybe scaling back down a bit and waiting for the National League so I suppose it's slightly different this year we're trying to do these things as well as do the stuff off the pitch and I don't you know it's, it's important for people to not just engage online but also to get out and safely meet people because it's, it's hugely important that we all start trying to engage with each other and we look after our mental health and we look after each other and I suppose the communities, you know, Komogi's in every community across the 32 counties And just like the GAA, we're we're one big family, really. And so it's important to us to look out for all our members, but it's also important for people to put their hand up and say when they need help, and it's about asking for that help and seeing where that help is available. There's an awful lot of help out there available for people in all different sections, and we just felt that at this stage we had a mechanism to kind of profile some of those initiatives that are out there in the community.
4: Yeah, a fantastic initiative and uh, we'll get behind it here at KCLR. It was brilliant to see. Uh, recently, we've seen that the Comogie Association and the GEA have announced that effective immediately the GEA commercial team has retained uh, to be rep- representing the Comogie Association's commercial rights. What what does that actually mean for the Comogie Association?
13: Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the reality is we need to leverage um, our sponsorship and we need to leverage our commercial rights and in some ways that's an untapped um, for Komogi. We've, we've been doing it over the last number of years ourselves and, and we need to step it up a level and we recognise that. We also recognise that the GAA are very good at this and they have huge expertise and I suppose to us it seems a natural alliance that we would look to them. Um, it's a commercial arrangement with them that we've put in place. So really as such we're their client and, and we expect to be treated you know, as a client would. But they are very knowledgeable of the sport area. They're very knowledgeable of women's sport and they're very knowledgeable of the media rights packages. So in, it's a win for them as well as us. It also allows them to market the female sport. So there's an awful lot of crossover between Camogie and GAA and we've always had that. We've had sponsors where maybe Littlewoods, Liberty Insurance we're sponsoring both codes and I suppose it's become a a natural alliance um, and what we've done now is we've put it on a commercial footing for three years and we're very excited about that because I think that's what's going to take Komogi to the next level and we've incentivized it so and equally with the media broadcasting it allows us to open up a whole new market for Komogi that we've seen Komogi has been streamed online for the last couple of years, and we've seen increased um, media coverage, increased TV coverage. We we have to leverage opening up those avenues to us and opening up the media companies to us. So we felt that uh, this was the way to do it. We thought it was a good initiative for Komogi, and we also think it's a good initiative for the GAA. Um, you know, together I think we can build both sports, but our focus really on is building the commercial side of Camogie and making sure that we're sustainable far into the future. I, I,
4: I think last time we spoke, we may have alluded to it, um, which is a few months ago, but it was kind of, if everything was to start from scratch, all the associations, Camogie, g uh, LGFA, would be under the one banner, one association. Uh, do you think that this move kind of is, is a move towards this uh, uh, this I wouldn't say goal, but this happening at at some stage and everything becomes amalgamated.
13: I think it is. I think it's the natural. We've said it. We've all said it before. Uh, lots of us. It, it's the natural. It's the natural ala- alignment. We are the Gaelic Games family, and the crossover is is huge between all of us. And um, if we were to be founded today, I think realistically we would all be the one association. If you walk into clubs, you know, I'm sure if you walk into the clubs in Kilkenny and Carlow. Um, they consider themselves to be, in actual fact, the one association. So really, it's about progressing that on. And the greater alignments that we have together, that naturally then falls into place. So for us, it's the obvious place to go. Um, You know, why would we look to another outside agency when we have that expertise there at our hands? So it it seems fairly straightforward to us. It, It seems... They're the best placed people to support Komogi and to drive Komogi on. And I suppose that's reality what it's about. It's about growing the crossover between the associations.
4: Yeah, we, we've we seen it recently here in Kilkenny with Dixborough. They agreed to merge under the Crow Park One Club guidelines uh, and it was overwhelmingly in favour. I believe 99% um, at their AGM voted for that and you're going to see it kind of going forward. We've seen it with the GPA as well recently where everything became amalgamated. So eventually it, we could be living in a, a time where everything becomes uh, one. In, in terms of the year that we've had in, uh the year that everyone's had, it must mean... Quite difficult as the president of uh, the Camogie Association, considering the difficulties around the likes of fixture scheduling, particularly at the start of the year. How have you you got to enjoy your, your, your term as president?
13: Um, absolutely. Look, it's, it's been a challenging year. In fairness, um, you know, much more challenging for other people than the Camogie Association, and I suppose we need to recognise that that our our challenges were insignificant compared to others. But it was a challenge, and um, I think we worked through it. Uh, the the compacted season was difficult on everybody, but I think what we achieved was an enormous. We're we're now finishing off the club championship. We'll now move into the All Ireland in the provincial stages and I'm not sure if we had said back in April that we were going to be able to get all of this out we've also got our development back up and running this year, we got our coaching so we actually got a huge amount done I suppose it's always a, it's always a challenge but then the enjoy, the enjoyment is equally beneficial and I've had some wonderful days this year um, in Camogie and I suppose that's great to see um, that the people are out and we're all enjoying it um, I think sometimes it, it's reinvigorated us in some ways because when we didn't have maybe the games on the pitches or we didn't have the coaching courses we realised what we were missing so in some ways it's actually given us all a new focus this year so yeah, no, it's, it's been a wonderful summer of Komogi I suppose and we, we had outstanding matches and um, it's, it's been great the level of Komogi and now we're seeing it in the club game and it'll sustain us through the winter and then Look, hopefully next year we may be back to a normal, a more normal year in terms of how we can plan things. But, you know, I think the important thing is that we got through it and we got through it very successfully.
4: Yeah, it, but I, I still, I can't imagine just from a kind of logistic and admin point of view of looking after so many different people and kind of being the head of the association. It must have been in somewhat uh, difficult, but you're coming out of it now in, in, in certain ways and uh, you can hold your head high and kind of look back on some of the great championship games that we have experienced here from Kilkenny. We've experienced that minor, intermediate, under 16 and senior. It's been brilliant to see. It's been brilliant to cover. It just... Looking ahead then, is there anything in particular that uh, is coming up on the agenda that you'd like to see happen during your term as president that is currently maybe not in place?
13: Um, I suppose what I'd, I'd like to see us maybe as consolidate our p- position. I'd certainly like to see us grow our media rights um, and I'd like us to to grow our commercial. Um, integration is something I've said from the start that we need to progress it on to a level. We're integrated in the clubs. I mean, you've pointed out Dixborough there. It's one of the success stories in Kilkenny in many ways. And they're the model. So we need to roll that out. And I suppose at the end of of my term, I'd like people to stop seeing the differences between the associations and the differences between the male and the female player, and start just seeing us all for what we are. We're all equal sports people. So I suppose if we could progress that on... in some ways I think that would be great that we can look at. It. It's also about maybe putting a refocus back on the club and I think what we've all realised in the last year is that, you know, Intercounty is absolutely brilliant and I'm very conscious that I speak on to Kenny Radio and you've had some absolutely enormous, brilliant days at Intercounty but there's also been brilliant days at Club and Club is the focus for Komogi. It's where we grow the game and it's where we sustain the game. So we've got to put the focus back on the club in some ways and the club game is at such a level at the moment and i think over the next two or three years what we'll see is the new rules filtering down into the club game i was at the Kilkenny final last week and i mean if you watch the standard in the club game it's it's huge it's really great so i suppose to me they're the, the small things and they might seem as if there's no one big thing written in the sky but I think if after three years I could say tick off some of them I think I'd be saying look you know I've done good I've done well in some ways and I've moved the game on and um, it's it's hard to move a game on when the game is so good itself you know so I suppose that's, that's what we need to look at we need to be saying what well, can we do that that is better rather than necessarily changing everything can we do some things that we're actually maybe not doing as well as we could do and we can do them better and i think there's opportunities for that
4: Hilda, thanks ever so much for taking time out your Sunday to discuss uh, just everything that's happening in the Camongi Association. And after the difficulty of having to, you're probably getting inundated with people asking to speak about maybe the All-Stars and stuff. But as you said, it's only postponed. It's not cancelled. Hopefully we'll have uh, a live event should things open up in the future. Hilda, thanks ever so much. Perfect, great, thanks very much Thank you, Hilda Breslin, Camogie Association President there You can listen back to that interview as well later on On Scoreline Extra And speaking of some great days for Kilkenny Camogie Have a listen to this
0: This is Megan Farrell with the ball downfield that's up towards Katie Power, lovely play from Katie Here goes Julianne Malone again Lovely run, keep that ball on the stick This is Katie Power, brilliant chance Here's Farrell now, oh yes Oh for the goal, one goal Absolutely brilliant, it's epic Kilkenny Oh my word Shelley Farrell from Thomas Town You will not score a goal better than that As long as you're playing Camogie But I have to credit Julianne Malone And everybody involved in that build up Cracking goal, One eleven to 7 Kilkenny lead by 7
4: Got him back on the line. Chris Collins from Vale Wonders. Chris, thanks very much for taking the call once again. No problem, Sam. I don't know what happened the last time. Uh, we were talking about the FAI club, Mark, and we were kind of saying that uh, with COVID happening and players kind of not being able to be out on the pitch, was the kind of admin and all the work done towards it done during that time?
10: Yeah, a lot of the work would have been done at that time. Uh, uh, coaches and stuff would have had a bit more time to kind of up upscale uh, in terms of their coaching badges and um, renewing their guard of vetting and uh, their, their child safeguarding courses and stuff like that. So, yeah, we took advantage of the the lockdown, as as they say, to kind of put it to good use.
4: And this is like the, the, the first step in a the, in the line of things that can be accomplished. So what's the next goal for the yeah. club? Uh,
10: the next goal would be to get up to the one-star grade. Um, which would involve uh, going kind of further in-depth into kind of the financial structure of the club and also uh, more in-depth into the coaching, quality of coaching in the club, um, bringing in a, a qualified director of football and stuff like that.
4: Um, yeah, it sounds so. like you're in a really healthy position now at the moment to grow and become even bigger.
10: Yeah, yeah. What we found from uh, coming out of the lockdown is there's a huge appetite for players to return playing. In particular players that possibly wouldn't have played in a couple of years, Um so we've got a, a huge uptake on the number of players, and then that's kind of given the club the challenge of trying to meet meet that the, the demand with extra coaching uh, numbers as well. So um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's put a challenge on the club to increase the coaching levels and stuff in the club to meet kind of meet the demands that we're getting with players now.
4: And there's so many kind of clubs in in Carlow in terms of your yeah having to stay competitive. So stuff like this really kind of helps attract people to the club.
10: It does, yeah. Along with uh, kind of uh, improving the facilities of a club, like we we embarked on a, a massive um, development of our uh, playing playing surfaces um, just roughly about ten years ago, around two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven where we put in a full-size uh, grass pitch. And then over the last 10 years, we've kind of added a, a training pitch which we've now converted into a full-size all-weather pitch as well. So um, there's massive investments come, in, come into it on that side of things as well.
4: Yeah, and like, especially during COVID times, the kind of financial implications that it had on clubs that, like, Say for, for my own club, we had a, a lot of trouble with the insurance provider and stuff like that. and Obviously, with the season being curtailed, it was quite difficult to kind of work out the, the insurance on things like that. But it's great to see when the investment is really kind of going back into the grassroots.
10: Yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of, a lot of assistance from uh, the FAI uh, Regional Development Officer, Gary Cody, and um, also Carro Sports Partnership was very good to us as well. Uh, in terms of kind of little pockets of funding to get us kind of over the difficult period we had with COVID and stuff like that. But the bigger projects then that we do, we are relying on um, sports capital through the lotto and uh, the leader program, which is kind of EU funded.
4: Right, so the, there is a lot of kind of gateways for clubs out there and uh, yeah. ways and means to kind of get more finance into the clubs.
10: Yeah, yeah, there is. But look... Yeah, just never getting away from the old-fashioned kind of getting down to do your, your day-to-day fundraising and, and registration, so you're, you're, you're always relying on your grassroots members. Uh, then
4: last um, man standing and last-man-standing competitions and stuff.
10: Yeah, there you have it, your backpacking. You know, it's, it kind of used to be the, the stable day for every club, but uh, we're kind of trying to move away from that as best we can, you know.
4: Um, you were out today. You won six nil against Bagnallstown um, in the Tullys Travel yeah. Division, and then uh, lost the B team. Lost six uh, two to Round Tower Rovers. Yeah. But you know, there's that's still, I'd say, over thirty players out playing and representing Vale Wonders
10: today. Thirty players. Yeah, I was actually in at the game at Bagnallstown myself. Now it was a, a tough kind of competitive local derby. Uh, it was nit and tuck for I'd say seventy odd minutes. We kind of got. Kind of got on top of it in the last twenty minutes, but look, there's, there's never more than the kick of a ball between the two clubs. In fairness,
4: and uh, how's the season going in general? Then,
10: uh, overall, now like we kind of have set different goals for different um, sections of the club. Obviously, uh, the your adult section it would be more results based, and um, our A team would be very kind of that we would hope they'd, they'd have a very good season in Division One. The aim would be hopefully this year to challenge for promotion into the Premier Division in Carlo, which was kind of our goal when we kind of set up our our adult section about 10 years ago um, and our juveniles really is about numbers um, we we kind of stress to all our, our juvenile coaches that it's about development, participation and really we measure the success for all our managers if they can take a group of players from under nines and to still have that group of players still playing at under 16 that's so we'd measure
4: success. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic to hear and I'm just looking at the table there now, undefeated in five games, only letting four in the past five mm. score in 23. So there, you yeah. seem to be on course for promotion anyway.
10: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a really young squad. Um, we, would have, we won the, the youth division, the under-18 youth division two years in a row prior to lockdown and a lot of those players now would have stepped up to the mark with our A team. So it would be a very, very young team um, and look, the goal is to get them into the Premier Division because I think uh, if they can get up to the top table we have the, the players that are there to really, really kind of show their skills at the top level in Cairo
4: Well we'll be following the journey along Chris, thanks very much for taking the call today and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season
10: No problem, Shannon, thanks for having me up.